What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What's up, man? Nothing, man. Slow moving week. It is, you know. Got a lot of excitement going on in April, but this seems to be the dead week. So, um, you know, a little chance to rest before the playoffs start, before the Masters, before um, we really start to kick things off. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of them shortening the season. I thought the NBA players were being pussies by trying to get the season shortened. But, yeah, I think starting the season so early this year has made it a long year. Like, I'm just ready for the NBA season to be over. <laughs> like, You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I was trying to – I was thinking, I was like, is there ever been a time when the last month of the season has ever mattered so little? Like, like we've, we've got, what, five games left and, like – Nothing really matters at this point. Uh, we're just kind of not unless you care about the East battle for sixth through eighth. <laughs> yeah, other than that, and no one does. Yeah, I mean Detroit, Brooklyn, Miami, Orlando, uh, Orlando. Yeah, yeah. So all first round exits. Yeah. So it just you know, in in the West, yeah, everyone's done. The playoff seasons are set in the in the West. Um, yeah, I mean the, this last week of the season is is pretty brutal. Um, you know, you got guys that aren't even going to play for the most part. Uh, if they're on playoff teams or if they've solidified their spot, you probably won't see them play much um, over the next couple days. So, um, yeah, just kind of kicking it off, coming off that uh, March Madness high. Are you surprised that Duke took the L? No, nah, I thought Duke was lucky to survive as long as they did. That's both games against Virginia Tech and against uh... – can't remember what it oh UCF, UCF yeah they only survived by one layup missed that's right in front of the rim when Dawkins missed the tip in and then I can't remember the other kid for Virginia Tech they ran a play to tie the games dudes right in front of the rim and just short arms the ball so I thought they got lucky even by making it that far I thought UCF should have took them out um, that Duke team has a lot of stars but it was a flawed team because they can't shoot I don't think there's ever been a team they could not shoot a three in like the last 10 years. Is one Other than RJ, yeah, none of them can shoot. RJ Barrett? Yeah. RJ can't shoot. He was on. Cam Reddish? Oh, my bad. Yeah, Cam, my bad. Other than Cam. <laughs> they can't shoot a lick. None of them can shoot. <laughs> but I, I was impressed with uh, Trey Jones, though, because after his performance against UCF and them exposing him, leaving him open, he came back against Virginia Tech. And he hit, what, five of seven threes and was a real threat. So, I mean, that's a lot of heart from a young cat. That's a lot of pressure being on that stage, them daring you to shoot. You had a bad performance against UCF. So, I was impressed with Trey Jones, though. Yeah, um, I was actually shocked that Gonzaga lost. Um, and they Yeah, I was shocked. With pretty handedly um, got beat. So, um, Man, they kind of looked like they just ran out of gas. Like, they just looked pooped out. Like, they, they weren't prepared to play you know what i mean like even the game before that before they played texas tech they just looked like they didn't have much energy left in the tank and i don't know maybe it's just um texas tech grinding defense because i mean michigan was a high power team and they held michigan to like 10 points for most of the first half so maybe that texas tech defense is just that good yeah i saw a tweet that uh, everyone likes an upset until you get auburn Texas Tech on Monday night, <laughs> and I thought <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. Auburn is actually an exciting team to watch, so Auburn against Texas Tech might be good, but boy, if you get Auburn versus Virginia, man, 
There ain't nothing exciting about that. Well, I mean, that's that, all that's, mid-range jumpers. That's the Saturday night <laughs> game. So um, it's Michigan State. It's either going to be Michigan State, Auburn, Virginia, or it's going to be Texas Tech. Um, I said the wrong thing. I meant Texas Tech versus Virginia, yeah. not Auburn versus Virginia. Right. If you get Texas Tech, Virginia in the championship, because Texas Tech has that defense. All they shoot is mid-range jumpers. You got Virginia that they play defense, and all they shoot is mid-range jumpers. I mean, you could have a 27-28 to 28 finals. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a throwback game. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is a brand new – other than Michigan State, there's really no – uh, everyone else is a newcomer. I, th- I don't think Virginia's been to the Final Four since the 80s. Um, I-, I don't know when the last time Auburn and Texas Tech was. I mean, I, I don't know if they've ever been. But um, so I think Texas Tech was. I mean, Texas Tech is probably the surprise. It shouldn't have been a surprise. Because last season, I think they only lost because Michigan hit a shot like at the end. But they were poised to make the Final Four last year and kind of kind of lost to just a Michigan team that was hot. So, I mean, Texas Tech, they have a really, really good team. I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tech beats Michigan State. It would be surprising if they win the championship, but, I mean, would that be more surprising than Auburn or Virginia winning? So, if Texas Tech can beat Michigan State, I think they have a really good chance of winning the championship. We got to give Auburn some props, man. They went through a – hey, they beat Kentucky and North Carolina to get to the Final Four. That's pretty impressive. Right. Um, Are you – you know, you're a North Carolina fan – are you surprised at how Auburn, I mean, they really beat the hell out of them that entire game. Nah, because if you remember on the last show, I said that that was a matchup that I was watching because Auburn plays a style that gives North Carolina trouble. Uh, North, Carolina likes to pl- North Carolina likes to play fast, but if you can play fast with them and you can force them to turn over the ball, with a freshman point guard, that was the biggest thing. Having Kobe White and Auburn like leads NCAA in turnovers, so I knew that was going to be a bit of a problem. I knew it was kind. Of, I knew North Carolina was in trouble in the first half when Kobe White was going like one on one, and they were kind of forcing him into a one on one battle with I don't know who Auburn's point guard was, but at that point, North Carolina's not moving the ball. They're not playing team ball anymore. Now you're just playing Auburn's fast pace. It's one thing to go fast, but you have to still play your style. Man, who was that cat that was uh, lighting everyone on fire? He broke Steph Curry and, and uh, um, Buddy Hill's record. Was he from oh, Purdue? Purdue? Yeah, Carson. Uh, what was his name? Carson Edwards, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, that dude. So I've, I flipped over probably halfway through that game, and I, I saw, I mean, this dude was taking 28, 30-foot <laughs> uh, jumpers, and I was like, yo, who is, who is this cat? Like, who does he think he is? I was like, the, they about to bench his ass. Then I looked hey. up, and he had 30 points. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't even look like he has that type of game. He looks super stiff, but, man, he put on a performance, not only in that matchup, but in the matchup before that. He pretty much carried them. He's the one that got fouled on the three for Tennessee. Um, it's kind of disappointing how they lost because that's another that's another opportunity where they should have won. They, I think they were up four or three. And then they got the ball back and got that tip in at the buzzer to go to the go to overtime. overtime by Cisco. Man, if you would have had a what if you would have had a Purdue, Auburn, uh, Michigan State, Texas Tech Final Four? I mean, Virginia's not a big name, but at least they're a one seed. Right. Man, you throw Purdue in there, this might have been the lowest rated Final Four ever. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, but I don't know. They were exciting. That. That, there was some really good basketball this week, so uh, you know, 
I, I we kind of talked about the first weekend being pretty chalk, but last weekend, I, you know, really lived up to that March Madness hype. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of close games, and I don't know if people liked it because you're used to seeing a big name, but, but that's what comes with parity. When you get parity in the league, um, all these one and done team, one one and done teams where you got the bulk of one and done players, that system really doesn't work. I can only think of two times where it's worked, and that was the 2014 team with AD on it, right? And you had the, the Duke team that had Tyus Jones, Okafor, and Justice Winslow. Other than that, the system isn't been hasn't been super successful. So you get these teams that have a bunch of one and done players. But on the flip side, you have these other teams that have veteran players. So it makes ex- an exciting brand of basketball because even though you're a one-and-done team, you got all these athletes, you're not a team. You know what right. I mean? Well, yeah, and, and, and you saw that with Duke. Like, how many times did you forget that, like, Cam Reddish was on the floor or that R.J. Barrett was on the floor? You know, you had shit, all that Cam talent. Cam Reddish didn't even play. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you had all that talent, but, like, I just mean overall throughout the season. Like, you have no, all that talent, you. but, like, you know, they have no chemistry, um, and it's hard to build chemistry in a year like that. Whereas opposed to you know these Michigan State teams who don't have any one and dones, uh, Virginia. I mean, none of these teams in the Final Four have them, and, and we've shown that the reason that the Wichita States have been so successful, that the Butlers have been so successful, the, the VCU's of the past were so successful, is because they were senior teams that, or even Gonzaga, senior teams that you know you're not going to beat easily. Yeah, and that's what was so disappointing about Gonzaga. But I think that's just me not giving Texas Tech enough respect or enough credit. That's why I think they may be the favorite to win this because I thought that Gonzaga team was really good. They have a team full of upperclassmen. I think Brandon Clark and Raul, however you pronounce his name, uh, are NBA players, and they're going to be legit NBA big men. Not stars, solid role players, and I really like that point guard. So for them to get beat by Texas Tech, um, it was kind of disappointing. But... You know, so that brings me to another point. Uh, I don't know if you caught the story about Coach K right before they played Michigan State. Did you read that? Uh, I don't think so. All right. So what Coach K was basically saying is he was upset that because he doesn't think he, – he sees the writing on the wall, basically. Um, they said that he's good friends with Adam Silver. Adam Silver went to, went to Duke. Duke is on the board. I mean, Adam Silver is on the board of Duke. So he was complaining, saying that there is no structure set up for when they end this one and done system. So the NCAA has not planned for the end of high school players coming in for one year. So I'm wondering why he would say that, because, I mean, they didn't plan for it the last time it happened. It just happened. You know what I'm saying? And then college basketball survived. So I'm wondering who pushed this message was it Coach K trying to get the message out? Was that Adam Silver trying to get the message out? But pretty much they were. he was talking about how he's upset because the NCAA isn't prepared for this change and it's going to happen in like 2021. They asked Tom Izzo about it. Tom Izzo pretty much said he wasn't that concerned about it because he doesn't depend on one-and-done players, but he was concerned about the players that may turn pro that don't get drafted, one of the things that's not talked about enough. Uh, is there a system set up to support those players that can't go back to college? So I thought that was a really interesting story. Who do you think is pushing that narrative? Well, first of all, I mean, that that is definitely a rule that needs to be done away with. I don't care if they hire an agent. Like, if you don't get drafted, you should be able to go back to school. Um, yeah, I, I But just, if you hire an agent, the agent can give you money, which, tip, which I mean, means you're not amateur anymore. I, mean, I get it, but let's face it. 
we all know the truth. It's all <laughs> it's all semantics at this point. Um, but you know, so I guess you're okay with Memphis playing that number one seven foot center that looks like a guard. That's all right though, right? Pay his ass. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> But no, I think that it's all coming from Coach K because for he was one of the last ones. Well, so he says to adapt to the one and dones. Um, you know, he said that he wouldn't recruit one and dones, but inevitably he he did, um, and he has been pretty successful with one and dones. But I mean, other than that one championship, which you know most colleges don't get to that, but you know, I I didn't think that he was really a coach that depended on him anyway, but as as you start, I mean, it doesn't look like anything's going to change for him as far as, because Duke's still going to get the top talent of people who want to go to college basketball. Duke's still going to get them. That's why I thought it was odd that he would be the one bringing that up, but then when they explained the relationship between Adam Adam Silver, Duke, and Coach K, and then the fact that Coach K has been really involved with the NBA lately, it kind of makes sense that it may be the NBA pushing this narrative to have more of a relationship because there was some stuff saying that the NCAA should be working with um, working with you know the NBA. So I also learned in that article, which was interesting, is that the NCAA doesn't make much money off of college football, which sounds crazy. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. So the reason why they don't make much money, which you knew this, but you didn't really know it, is because the money is divided up through the conferences and people are and the schools are paid through the conferences. So the NCAA actually gets the most of its money from college basketball and March Madness. But the problem is there's nobody that's over like directly over college basketball that is kind of steering it. That's why I think this is an Adam Silver message that they're putting out to try to organize college basketball to work with the nba but in order to do that you're going to have to put somebody directly over college basketball because it said in it says college basketball and march madness is the most profitable thing for the ncaa even though college football is extremely profitable it's operated through the colleges and the conf- i mean through the conferences so i thought that was really interesting so like i said it seems like this is the nba thing that they're pushing towards the NCAA to try to force them to get some type of management of college basketball so the NBA and the G League and all these things can work in accordance with each other, which is not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, something's going to have to change because, you know, we do – I mean, you know that there's going to be a lot of players that are going to go – the Zion Williamsons are not going to stop by college. The Ben Simmonses are not going to stop by college. But I do think that you're going to get those back-tier players who, and again, I do think that maybe if you don't hire an agent, but you can go work out for these teams, and they tell you, like, look, man, you're a good player, but you're not going to be drafted in a lottery. Go to school. I think that that's a fair avenue. Or just, I mean, look, call the NBA should just call it like it is. College basketball is a farm system. Put the money into it. Partner, whatever you got to do. It's a farm system. You got to go here for a year. It's a farm system. Scrap the G League, whatever it is that they got to do, or make the, like like that's that's where people get hung up on is like because I, in my opinion, college basketball sucks. I just don't think it's a good product. I don't like if you watch college basketball, if you watch March Madness, if you watch the NBA, it's almost like they're playing two different sports. 
Well, they're definitely playing two different sports. Yeah, and it's like, and, and a lot of people don't realize that. Like, it's two completely different sports. So either put the money in the G League and leave the NBA or leave the NCAA alone, or le- scrap the G League or make that for your developing players or whatever you know, your third, your second, third year players, like you've been doing, and put the money into college basketball because this feeder system, it's not great either way. See, I like I like the idea of the G League. I think the G League needs to work like baseball, and it's it's moving more towards every NBA team having their own G League team, which I think it should be. I think just be especially when you start getting these high school kids, because one of the biggest problems during the late '90s and the early 2000s were you were drafting these kids on potential, but you were forced to put them on the court because you used that pick. So I think the G League is going to be really important for when you start drafting these kids and you take a dude on potential like Nazir Little for North Carolina. People are going to take him because of his measurements, but he's obviously not ready to play in the NBA right now. So I love the G League. As far as the college basketball, I think college basketball is going to be a lot better without one and done. I think it's going to be a lot better to watch. I think it's going to be a lot better for um, the fans because me being a North Carolina fan – one thing about it is I love Kobe White. He's like my favorite player on the team. He's not going to be there next year. So you can't really connect with the players like I used to connect with like Ty Lawson or Raymond Felton. You know what I mean? You Sean don't have May. Those, Sean May. You, know, you don't have those relationships anymore because people don't stay. So can, now, I give a, can I give a quick shout out real quick? Go for it. I got to give a shout out to Dusty Hannes, man. He got called up by the Grizzlies finally. He and I <laughs> talked about it. You know what I mean? He's been playing for the Memphis Hustle. Um, I would run into him, you know, uh, on campus and, and, uh, while he was during the off season, he'd always be up there playing with us. And like, I mean, a good dude, like just a solid, solid, solid dude. And I'm, I'm pumped for him, even though it's last week of the season, I'm pumped for him to get caught up, uh, called up by the Grizzlies. So yeah, I'm gonna be getting that Jersey. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, big shout out. So you talk about the G league and how it does help, man. I, I just, I'm pumped for my guy. So, uh, sorry to interrupt, carry on. Nah, you're good. I mean, I'm a basketball fanatic. That's why I love the G League. Um, And if you think about it, the NBA, if you really love basketball, the NBA really doesn't stop until after July because the Summer League lasts like, what, all of June? Is it June or July? June. That lasts like three weeks in July. July, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's like three weeks in July. So you got the NBA Finals that comes at the end of June. Then after the Finals. um, You got the Draft. Then you yeah, go into you got the summer draft, league. and then after the draft, the summer league starts up. So the season isn't ending until late June, late July, beginning of August, and then it comes back in the end of October. So NBA really does dominate the season. But as I said, I think college basketball is going to be a lot better when they get get rid of this one and done rule. I do think that when kids go to college, they should have to stay two years, but there that's never going to be approved. You no. know what I mean? But but, yeah, I think that kids should have to stay two years if you choose to go just so people aren't going in and out because if you start – because I don't know what they're going to do. You're going to allow them to go to school, and then you're going to allow people to come out of high school, and then you're still going to have a one-and-done one, one and done system, but your one-and-done system is going to be with second-tier players. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like a good look. I mean, it's definitely going to be a tough system to navigate, and I'm curious to see how they do it. But, you know, I think one thing that I think a lot of people realize is, like, Yo, everybody's not made to come into the NBA out of high school. Kevin Garnett could have gone to college. Kobe Bryant should have went to college. Like, you know, T-Mac probably could have gone to college. Like, for every successful one, 
that come that came out, and even though it took him a while to be successful, I mean, there's only one LeBron James. Like, you know what I mean? There's only one Moses Malone. KG was 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 great, but he it wasn't like you know his first year he was setting the world on fire. Kobe, you know, I mean, he wasn't shit till like '99. So even though he won a dunk contest, he you know what I mean? Like he did do some things, but like he could have gone to college. So, you know, I, I everyone's not LeBron James. I mean, Zion maybe could have passed bypassed college basketball, but for every every LeBron there's or Kobe or whoever you want to throw out there, there's a bunch of Sebastian Tailfairs <laughs> and whoever else you want to name. Hey, don't you slander Sebastian Telfair. He was the next baby Jordan, whatever the hell they was calling him. <laughs> well, you can't be baby Jordan if you're five foot ten. Right. That was that was the most ridiculous thing. I've never he's he set the bar. You drafting somebody out of high school that's like six foot, five foot ten. So that was all off a of hype. I thought he was a really good player, but he should have never been able to go pro. No. So but moving on, man, I'm hearing that Zion Williamson. Maybe getting the biggest shoe contract of all time. They're talking about ninety million to a hundred million guarantee. You know, they always said that LeBron got a hundred million, but he didn't. He actually signed a seven years, seventy-seven million dollar deal with like ten million dollar guarantee. He was offered a hundred million dollar guarantee with Reebok, but he didn't want to go to Reebok, so he leveraged that into a seven-year, ten million a year from Nike. So, what do you think about Zion? Do you believe the Zion hype? I do. Uh, we've talked about it. Um, I think he's going to be a very, very good NBA player. Now, is he going to be LeBron James? I don't know. LeBron James comes around once a lifetime, so but that's uh, the bar that they're setting for him. They're not. They're not setting a bar for him to be good. Right. I mean, they're setting a bar. The bar that he has coming out is with the same height that LeBron James. So he has to be at least LeBron James when he came out. You at, know what I mean? at least LeBron. I mean, you hear that? We talking about the second greatest yeah. player of all time. He's got to be at know, least that. I mean, he had. I mean, that's the expectations that people are set for. I'm not saying that is realistic. That's what I'm asking. Do you believe that he can live up to these expectations that are being set for? That's a different story. Is, it is. Le- is, is Zion going to be good? Yes. Zion is going to be a good NBA player. All is evidence I've seen solid? is he's going to be a great NBA player. A really, really, really good NBA player. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know that he's – the hype that he's getting is the hype that he's going to be great. We know he's going to be great. This is the exact same hype that LeBron got. That's why LeBron got $77 million guaranteed. That's why they were going to give him a $100 million contract. That's why they're negotiating with Zion to get Zion $90 million because he has the same expectations of LeBron. Will he live up to that? It's hard to say, man. That is, I mean, it, it's, I think – you see, I don't think he is as as good as LeBron. I mean, I LeBron, you knew, you knew, like you knew with LeBron that as long as he stayed healthy, that he was gonna, you were watching a great, uh, just because of everything that he was able to do on the floor from a passing standpoint. I mean, LeBron was basically the next version of Magic, even though everyone compared him to Michael. Um, but even with that, LeBron was doing that in high school, right? Zion Williams came to college at Duke, the ACC, the highest level of basketball. Even in a tournament, he has shown he has shown that he's been the best player in college. It hasn't been close. The most efficient at uh, six foot eight, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. He's probably one of the quickest, most agile players that you you have ever seen. Uh, a genetic freak of 50-inch vertical. Like, if you're saying that we could see it with LeBron, there's no way you can't see it with Zion. The only difference is the pure passing. But, I mean, the dude has all the skill sets. 
Yeah, I mean, but here's my my thing with Zion. It's like he's going to be dependent on going to a team with a really good point guard, in my opinion, because I haven't seen that you can run everything through him. Like, is is he going to be the one bringing the ball up? Is he going to be the one in control of the offense? That's not to say you can't run it through him, but is that's the difference between LeBron. You don't need a ball handler because you have LeBron. Zion's not that. But to flip that, the only thing that stops stop Zion from really handling the ball in college is that they can set someone under the rim. And even with having two people on the rim playing zone, nobody has been able to stop that dude from getting to the rim. So you flip that to putting him in the NBA, the open court with nobody under the rim. I don't really think you need a point guard because I don't know if anybody can stop him getting to the rim with nobody under the rim. And then if you bring a big man that instead of standing in front of the rim has to come across the lane to jump with him and this dude, you've seen this dude catch oops, his whole face is above the rim. It's going to be exciting to watch. I don't know if he's going to meet LeBron's expectation, but that dude is going to be really really good and the Knicks they need to cheat or whatever to get the Knicks that pick because the New York Knicks and the NBA need Zion in New York you know I would I I would say that if the ultimate landing spot for Zion like and it's best for the NBA it's best for him it's best for like I just think it's a match made in heaven is uh the Memphis Grizzlies you know so Please, not wasting a, a talent like that. You already waste a talent like that on Cleveland just to have them leave. This next one going to a big market. I'm, I don't want to give the NBA conspiracy theory, but I'd be very, very surprised if the New York Knicks do not get the number one pick. So what, You don't want them going to Phoenix. What you trying, what you trying to say? The Memphis ain't shit They're on, on the map? Is that what you're saying? Basically. Wow. I mean, not so many words, but yeah, they're wow. a shitty NBA town. You might as well move them to Seattle. Uh, that is yeah. that is the most untrue thing that anyone has ever said, <laughs> and don't make me get up get upset. All right, I just know that it gets under your skin when I say that. Okay, but, now Memphis is a good basketball town. It's similar to OKC. I mean, it's not a big market, but they have a a really really good fan base, a really dedicated fan base that supports the team no matter how good or bad they they are. The NBA lacks that with a lot of teams, so you definitely can't pull a team with a fan base like a Memphis or a fan base like OKC away. I think they really regret pulling Seattle from Seattle and still having teams like Orlando and Charlotte. That was one of the biggest mistakes that the NBA and Seattle made. I don't know why they just won't correct it. I mean, there's several ways that you can correct that mistake right now. So I think if I Adam I Silver know. were commissioner back then, that that never would have happened. No, you, you had that's a bad. you had dirty ass David Stern, who was so corrupt towards the end, man. I mean, that dude. I mean, it was just obvious. Like, two, but he he had an ego too. It's, he really he, did. It, it comes from the the battles that he had had and being a lawyer. That lawyer mentality. David Stern with, saved the NBA, but the 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 two thousands. Man, he could have easily killed the NBA. Now, I mean, that's extreme, but you go back and you look at the the blatant way that they got the Lakers to some of those finals, um, especially in regards to the Sacramento Kings, where you can't even find this shit on YouTube. You know, you yeah. openly had an NBA ref, you know, claimed that, uh, that they cheated. You know, you even go back to, you know, Patrick Ewing with the frozen envelope or the, the bent envelope so that he would be drafted by the Knicks. You go you go to allegedly. Allegedly. You go to if you if you hear Shaq tell it, um, 
David Stern asked him if he wanted to play in a cold weather city or a warm weather city, <laughs> and it was between Minnesota and Orlando, and he said warm weather, and here he is drafted by Orlando. I mean, you know what I mean? The, the, Orlando getting back-to-back number one uh-huh. picks just like Cleveland. There's there's plenty of evidence that David Stern was very, very dirty. <laughs> I mean, so, um, and I, I do think in, in terms of what you say, yeah, I mean, Memphis, whether it be the Memphis Tigers or the Grizzlies, is a basketball town, and, and we love those teams. Um, and, yeah, OKC is another one, just rabid fan bases. But, yeah, if, if Adam Silver was, were commissioner when all this stuff was going down, I'm guaranteeing you that Seattle, there's no way that, that half of these teams would have a team or cities would have a team without Seattle having a team. I mean, you're talking about the sixth largest media market not having an NBA team. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll correct it. I don't know what's the holdup right now. But, I mean, I would like to see a team in Seattle. Like I said, I mean, I watch a lot of NBA. I watch a lot of league passes, man. And if you you just turn on, like, the New Orleans games, the Orlando games. Nobody there. Like, there's nobody. And I'm not even talking about the front row. I mean, it's literally nobody. Like, I wish I lived in Orlando. I know you could probably get a $30 ticket and sit on the court side if you want hell phoenix is like that half the time but there's more and yeah they, but that's that's, that's ownership they actually have fans yeah. here but you talk about atlanta atlanta don't give a shit no matter how good atlanta is that's that that uh that arena is half empty uh, yeah but the thing about atlanta you could never pull them from atlanta because no. atlanta is like a, a city where it's an international you, city of, of, in, of implants yeah it's so you get you get people there depending on the team. You don't get people there just supporting Atlanta. But if Golden State comes to town or the Lakers come to town, then that arena fills up because there's people from so many different places. They want to come see their team. They just don't give a shit about the Hawks. Right. Like people, te- teams love going to play for the Hawks because it's like another home game. That's always been a running joke in the NBA is that playing in Atlanta is another home game for the opposing team. Yep. Um but yeah, man. So I, while we're on Zion, I, I heard um, this on another podcast, and I want to see what you think. Um, they were talking about if there are any players right now that you. I mean, we can agree that Zion Williamson is the number one pick, right? Yeah, there's no yeah, doubt about no it. Question. Um, no question. How many players in the that are active in the NBA would you trade right now for Zion Williamson? And that host got to six. Uh, so. With this discussion, this is totally about – this isn't even a basketball discussion, truthfully. This is all about what what he would do for the market because people are anticipating that Zion is going to ha- have an impact. Like I said, expectations are like LeBron. So he's going to have an expectation like LeBron. But, I mean, if I'm guessing, like, I wouldn't trade uh, Giannis. I wouldn't trade Embiid. Anybody on Boston can go. Uh, man, <laughs> everybody in the East is on the grab except for Giannis and Embiid. But every team in the East could get him. Um, I wouldn't trade him for Kevin Durant or Curry. Um, like I'd even trade him for Jokic, man. Jokic is a really good player, but. As far as excitement to the city, I don't think he brings the type of notoriety. Like, they're in second right now, and most of the average fan doesn't know who the hell Jokic is or who the hell Denver was. So, he got to six, and it was, um, and I don't remember the order, so I'll just say the six. It was uh, uh, Giannis, Embiid, Steph, um, James Harden, 
uh, Jokic and Luka Doncic. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't agree with Jokic or Doncic. I, I saw his reasoning though because he was like how what they mean to the cities and how the cities have already embraced them like it's more than basketball. I kind of get it, especially with with Dallas. Um, you might be right on Jokic, um, but Dallas, I, I know, you know they've they've already he's the next Dirk and you know he's their next for sure franchise. And I think Luka Doncic is gonna be great. Um, but my question with Doncic is how much like when I look at Doncic and I look at Trey Young, how much growth does Doncic have because I mean he's been playing pro since he was 14 what you saw this season is a full developed game that wasn't any holes you say oh you need to work on that only thing that you can say is he needs to improve his shooting percentage but there I don't see anything else that he can do to get that much better I I mean I the dude's only 19 years old I think he can get better I think as as he like loses weight, tones up, and, you know, there's just little changes to his game that he can make. I, I do think he can reach another level. I mean, I, I think Trey – I think his his ceiling is higher than Trey Young. I think I, – I was wrong on Trey Young. I, Trey Young is – that dude is good. Um, and this NBA fits in perfectly. Now, we can always go back and talk about how this is the only era he'd probably be successful in, but that's neither here nor there. He plays today, and that dude is great. Uh, I've seen uh, the dude. For, well, I can't never remember his new name, but the dude from Denver that plays in the Chris Jackson. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, st- yeah. I Abdul mean, Raouf. yeah. I mean, if you have unlimited range like Trey Young does, you could play any era. So I don't like to hear that. I mean, touching them doesn't matter if you can handle the ball, if you can pass right and left handed, and you can shoot from anywhere on the floor. Once Trey Young gets stronger, I think his ceiling is higher than Doncic. And I, I remember about mid-season when they asked Trey Young about that trade, and he said, you know, I think I'm better than Doncic. It was kind of a joke, like, huh, how could you think you're better than Doncic? Doncic's the, MV, the rookie of the year right now. And then after the All-Star game, that dude closed in historic style and outplayed Doncic, where I think they should probably be co-rookie of the years. So I think that Trey, when he actually understands the game, and get get some talent around him because let's 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 not fool ourselves. <laughs> Atlanta doesn't have a lot of talent right now. No, they're playing with a lot of throwaways. You got John Collins that was hurt most of the season. So what Trey Young did was a little bit more impressive to me than what Doncic did because Trey Young was playing with nothing and he was almost unstoppable. So, um, but we talked about Kevin Durant and the host. His point was compelling as to why Kevin Durant wasn't on that list. It's like. If I I was and I kind of agreed. I was like, well, what about KD? And he was like, well, I think Golden State would drive him to the airport tomorrow um, to, to replace him with with Williams. I think honestly, I think all this Golden State thing is done. They think he's leaving anyway. Um, and honestly, like I think they all like each other, but I, I think that they're like Golden State's just not the same. It's like they're not playing with the same amount of of you know joy that they do. And it could be because this is their you know fifth straight finals run or you know they've been doing this for a while but it does not seem as enjoyable as it has been um and i think that if, if you think katie's leaving and you have a chance to get you know do a sign and trade for whomever wants zion i mean that's not a i mean i, I that's not out of the question yeah i've heard these stories but we also have to remember when you say katie's leaving 
that's because KD may want to leave. That has nothing to do with Golden State. Golden, there's nothing that Golden State has ever seen, said, or done, or shown that said that they want KD to leave. If KD leaves, it's just because KD's weird and he wants to leave for whatever reason. But I don't think that Golden State would drive him anywhere. They wait on him all offseason before they make any moves because he's KD, of course, but they like having KD. As far as how they look and end in the season, I mean, they coast, they're they coasting and they're in first place. I mean, do you care if you beat Denver or not? I'm pretty sure they're, they're confident if it's not home court against Denver, that shouldn't be a problem. So I don't think they have any motivation to play harder when you're coasting. We got to remember this. This is the same team that worked hard to get to 73-9 and nine and then ended up pooping out into the finals. So I think ever since then, they never closed the season playing hard. Everyone's looking for that inch to say, hey, this dynasty isn't the same. Well, at the end of the season, this is the time the coast this is the time to just get through it kind of let your body heal don't go all out you don't want any major injuries you have nothing to play for at this point in time if they didn't i I guess they really do want home court because they should be resting players right now they shouldn't even be playing what why even risk an injury yeah i mean i'm i'm not saying you're wrong um i just i thought it was an interesting argument that you know um i think that there's a little bit of truth to um all right man so are you ready to see the end of Dwayne Wade? Not really. I've been trying to enjoy it, and I like what he said. I mean, he said he knows that he has one or two more years in the tank, but he already decided that he wanted to go ahead and retire and enjoy life. So, I mean, he's giving it his all. But, I mean, it's time. Got a fine-ass go. wife at home. Yeah, got got your kids. Your your um your oldest son is looking like he's gonna be a a really good recruit. You want to spend more time with him, help him develop his game. So it's around that time, and I I hate to see him go, but it ain't no no need of wasting another year on a Miami team that's still gonna be doing the same thing next year. I mean, this right. team won't get better until twenty twenty one. So there's no point in him just wasting another year to be the eighth seed or ninth seed. Um. So yeah, man, it's it's good. He got a he got a he got a um, what a farewell tour like Dr. J. You know what I'm saying? Exchange jer- jerseys. The more fucked up part is how they're doing Dirk. How <laughs> they're right. trying to give Dirk his own farewell tour. He ain't said he's retiring not one time. They're giving him celebrations and all that stuff too. But I mean, it, I've watched Dirk play. It's time. Like that. I think that's a nice way of being like, yo, bro. It, look, <laughs> hey, it, it looks like you're you're running with your shoes full of cement like it's time bro like you look like they've even tried to start him these last couple of games and it just looks bad yeah it's man. like look Dirk, you remind me of a mummy running down the fucking court like it is not it's not gonna work out bro it's time um but but i respect it though man they shouldn't have stole that money from him when he was when he was ready to get that max man he took less now they paying for it he's trying to get all that bread yeah, back. i mean i don't blame him but he got a fine-ass <laughs> wife at home, too, a sister. You know what I mean? Yeah. Time to go yep. home. Uh, you know, chill out for a while. <laughs> so, um, hey, I, hey, Dirk, man, keep keep milking him, man. As long as you can make 18 minutes a game, keep milking your contracts so, out, man. <laughs> um, but, no, nah, man, let me ask you this. So, I, I think Dwayne, at this point, I still think Dwayne Wade is probably the third best shooting guard of all time. Um, I You know, we'll see if Harden gets him. But, I mean, Dwayne Wade does have three rings, and you just – you're reminded every now and again how good Dwayne Wade was, but I feel like I feel like he's been on the decline for the past seven years. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like even his floor is better than you know arguably a lot of these dudes in NBA history's ceilings. Like, wouldn't you? Would you take? I would still take 2015, 
2013-2014 Dwayne Wade over Reggie Miller. Would you? Uh, I don't know, man. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie's kind of underappreciated, especially if you're talking about like closing out your career. Those last two years of Reggie was pretty impressive. Yeah. That's when he stopped being a, a set shooter and all that. He started driving to the rim and dunking on dudes. And getting blocked I, by Tayshawn Prince when he should have dunked it and laid it up yeah, instead. But, but Tayshawn Prince is like a, a freak. He had like an eight-foot wingspan. But, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, overall game, I don't know if I would take 2014 Dwayne Wade. He's been on uh, the decline for at least. I, I definitely take 2010 Dwayne. Oh, for sure. I, I, 2010 Dwayne, 2014, nah. I think he reached his peak 2011, and then that's when he got hurt. Or that's when that's when it, it was over. That That's my one problem with Dwayne Wade is, like, while he's had a long career, I feel like his peak should have been longer. Well, but it's it's, it's kind of unfair to say that because Dwayne Wade is a little bit older. Um, he he actually went to school with two or three years. Yeah, I think three he went years, three years. Yep. Um, when he started college, he had knee injuries. Like I think he messed up his knee as a freshman or either a senior, but he didn't have any cartilage in like his knees. So he was never making it. How far? How long he's made it is just impressive in itself. Because a lot of players with issue injury history like Dwayne Wade don't make it as long as he has. So I'm actually impressed with how long he made it. Um, but yeah, about 20, 2008, 2009 was his peak year, best year ever before he got LeBron. And then that's when the knee issues really came. Is right after he tore his ACL. That was like the final knee injury. So. If you're talking about longevity, just the fact that he was older, I mean, even just not even in age, but just in life. I mean, he he graduated. I mean, he's he came into the NBA with a wife and two kids. You know right. I mean? Yeah. He was a grown ass man at like 20. <laughs> so, would you uh would you take his career over Keon Doolings? Or <laughs> Keon Dooling. <laughs> Most man, Keon Dooling. That's a name. I ain't heard Keon Dooling in air, no conversations ever about anything. You know what I mean? That that dude should never be missed. I wouldn't even get excited about seeing him in the big three. Speaking of the big three, man, I mean, keeping up with their pickups, man. Yeah, they got my boy Ronnie Brewer. Uh yeah, yeah. Um, he ain't gonna get picked up though. He ain't got enough friends. That big three thing is all about oh, it's, friends it's a and relationships. Idea. He was just playing spades with us a month ago. So. Yeah, ain't no way he's getting picked up. Ain't no way if he got picked up, he would do any damage. But I don't, I don't think. I mean, usually what happens in that thing, when I watched that big three draft last year, it's kind of a, a boys club of friends, even the names that you may not know that may not have ever played in the NBA get picked up over some NBA players just because of friendships and being cool with them. That's one of those plays. It ain't like the NBA. You can't have nobody on your team that you don't like. So they're only picking people that they're cool with. I don't know how deep Ronnie Brewer's relationship extends. I think he's pretty cool with the dudes from the Bulls. I don't really remember seeing a lot of people in that draft pool from the Bulls. So I would have to say he'll probably be on the injured reserve. If 20 people get hurt, he might get called up. If uh, if Jason Williams' knee explodes again or Corey Maggette, which are one of them, one of them I just saw their knee. I think knee both their knees exploded. Exploded. <laughs> I mean, That's when I was like, oh, I'm out on this. Uh, hey, but Corey Maggette came back and was like the MVP of the league last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so – We'll see. But they did add. They did add Joe Jiggity, Joe Johnson. I will so say the big three. Up. The big three is getting better. Um, I still ain't gonna watch it, but it is getting better. Uh, as far they're as the have quality. to find a way to. I mean, I know it started off small, so they had to do all their games at one time. But they're expanding teams, 
is they have to run that differently because I mean I wanted I remember when the first year I wanted to go to a big three game but then that was when it was uh, it was pre recorded and then played the next day mm-hmm. and I started thinking man you got to be there five six hours of watching basketball and all the games aren't good. Like, that's the one thing. Because I don't want to watch all those teams. It's probably like two or three. But you have to sit through almost every game that that team plays last. Right. Yeah, I'm not interested. Um, (laughs) Speaking of leagues that I'm not interested in, the AAF looks like it is done eight games into their 10-game season. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that's a weird story, man. It's just... Everything, no, something sounds suspicious about that whole league, man. So there's a couple things, and like, I mean, I made the joke earlier. It's like, oh, no one wants to watch Christian Hackenberg, Johnny Menzel, or Trent Richardson play football. Like, oh, I'm shocked. Like, I mean, it's not good football. Even, even your biggest degenerate can only carry you so far. And bro, the, they were they were getting four hundred to five hundred thousand viewers. Yeah, but so that's what? decent for. Yeah. I mean, did you expect them to be having like? Half a million people watching their games consistently. No. I expected to be a hundred, to be honest. But uh, yeah, so so to get half a million views, and it's not like it's on mainstream, like a mainstream network. What was on the NFL Network? You can't tell me that that's not good programming for the. They had the, they fucking viewed the flag football championship. So five hundred thousand viewers. That, that's what I'm saying. It's something suspicious going on with that league, man. It's something with money. Um, Johnny Mazzell had a tweet and was like, there wasn't enough money to go around. They were like a hockey owner. I can't remember which one. Pay, put in a $250 million investment. Every player was like, two hundred. I think they had $250,000 contracts. We broke down 70000 the first year, 80000 the second, and 100000 in the third. I don't understand why that league couldn't at least last a season. You know what I mean? Yeah, you couldn't even get through 10 games. I mean, yeah, something, something fishy didn't happen. I'm sure the details will come out. It'll be a 30 for 30 or something. So, um. <laughs> I think that they were promised something by the NFL PA or the NFL. They were gave, given some promises or some assurances. And maybe the NFL or NFL PA looked at that league and was like, nah, <laughs> too risky. Yeah, so which which makes me wonder. I know we talked about it a little bit last week. I wonder what this means for the XFL. I mean, obviously, they're two different leagues, and it's going to be some different things. But um, Well, the difference is it, it sounded like the AAF had a problem with funding. It wasn't necessarily the views or the football or anything like that. It was just funding. The difference is going to be the XFL is going to be funded by Vince McMahon, who's a billionaire. He invested $500 million in the old XFL. So you're not going to have to worry about him investing money because he's richer than he was before he invested in the XFL last time. I mean, the WWE has like, what, four different channels they're on. Um, He's already has TV contracts with USA, so I'm pretty sure... Vince McMahon shouldn't have any problems with getting a TV contract from USA. That's a system that the AAF, they don't have that type of connections. You know what I mean? Um, so they have a they have the funding. They have a billionaire owner that's investing. That's going to be his project, his baby. They have network connects. So I think the XFL can be successful. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm going to need to see, you know, what kind of talent they put on the field. Because at the end of the day, the talent is what matters the most. So... In my opinion. Man, I was, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was just watching, um, what is it, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Uh-huh. And he talked and about the WWE. A, yeah, did you see that? I did see that. That was actually Damn. quite fascinating. And I, yeah. everyone has always known that Vince McMahon is kind of a scumbag, but. 
I didn't, I didn't know the level of scumbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, you talk about all these dead wrestlers. I mean, I grew up loving wrestling, and to think about like, I mean, shit, an eight year old could probably tell you that Macho Man was gonna be fucked up later on in life, or DDP, <laughs> or any of these cats going through tables, and you know, mankind. Oh God, I mean, yeah, he's got to be. Dude, in a wheelchair, bro. Yeah, hacksaw Jim Duggan, all these dudes. It's like, yo, you don't take care of these cats, and y'all making billions off of them. That's worse than uh, that's worse than college football or college, or college athletics. Yeah, and it was interesting. Um, Jesse Ventura, he made a great point. I don't understand how the government allows that. I mean, if you don't know, basically the report by John Oliver highlighted how every wrestler. They're not an employee of the WWE. They're contracted workers, meaning that they don't have to pay for insurance or health care or any of that type of stuff. And but with being a contract, a contract means that you should be able to go somewhere else and work or it be short term. These players are contract. These um, wrestlers are contracted employees exclusively. Yep. exclusively to the WWE. And there's they can pretty much terminate your contract. No matter what, like even if it's their fault that you break your neck, they can terminate your contract and not owe you any money. So the only time that these wrestlers are guaranteed any money is if they suffer an injury inside the ring. And there's probably some offset language in that also. Yeah, it's it's really bad on top of the WWE being a monopoly. I mean, it's an right. obvious monopoly. Ever since they bought out the WCW and there was one there was one other ECW, they've been. ECW, they've been a monopoly for what? Over 15 years at mm-hmm. least? I think you got <laughs> TNA or something or whatever the hell it is. I, I haven't watched wrestling in years, but I think it's TNA is the other one um, that, that kind of competes now, but it ain't on the same level. Yeah, so I just, I mean, if you hadn't seen it, it, it's worth looking up just to see how these wrestlers are actually having to get GoFundMe accounts to have surgeries and you would think if i say that they're talking about oh man they need a eighty thousand dollar surgery they need a hundred thousand dollar surgery i mean jake the snake had to get a gofundme for a seven thousand dollar surgery right i mean you, he wrestled for what 20 years 30 years and you don't have seven thousand dollars because of how he runs his business and then he's obviously on steroids when they show that interview with them just asking questions does he think that the deaths are on him at all he right. almost fought the dude yeah. interviewing him. he slapped the paper out of his hand and everything but yeah the most awkward moment and i'm glad i wasn't watching wrestling at this time because i definitely would have been done with it is when he said what's up my nigga that's oh, like the God. weirdest thing right? ever in, front of, he says in front of booker t who <laughs> i mean booker t's crazy as hell but even like the disrespect man like to to be so arrogant to think that you can or should get away with that is insane to me yeah it was funny too that they said that he writes all the storylines like he has it's it's monopoly in every sense of the word but think, that you but can think, think of. about how how deeper it goes even than that and I know we don't usually cover wrestling on this show, but you talk about him putting Triple H in charge of operations. He's the president, vice president, whatever it is, he is. He's the number two man, and that's his son-in-law. And so yeah. his son-in-law was allowed to control the WWF or WWE, whatever it is, for all these years, putting himself in all these big, high-profile matches simply off of nepotism. Like, yeah, you know I mean, like, I'm the chief content officer. I control every single thing. My father-in-law is the boss. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you think about that. As a wrestler, how could you even, like, 
Like, if you're not Triple H or Stephanie McMahon or, or related to that family, how can you win? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, kind of crazy. I mean, they made a good point, though. If you go in, if you go into that, they're like, well, what the hell am I going to do? I mean, you're getting beat half to death. It was, but it was, it was enlightening because as much grief as you give the NFL, the deaths in the WWE, and the life expectancy of WWE wrestlers is way lower than NFL players. Yeah, it's insane. It's like way 45 lower. or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's crazy. The average death toll it's is just a significant gap and it should not be like that, but it's because like you say even football you only have that you only sustain that amount of damage once a week for 10 years, 6 years the average player plays what 5 to 6 years mm-hmm. or 3 years, something like that. These WWE dudes are doing like seven shows a night in different cities for no all-season for like three or four years straight because they don't get time off, really. It's the craziest thing ever. I don't know how anybody hasn't put a bigger light on that. Yeah, Um, because it's not a sport, so they say. (laughs) Um, But that should make it worse that it's not a sport. It's It's entertainment. And this is happening. Right. That, that If sports says one thing, it's still bad. Like, okay, if I saw that in boxing, kickboxing, UFC, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, they're doing that for a living. But fucking wrestling is not even supposed to be real. Right. All right, man, before we get out of here, I know you've been watching some opening day baseball. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I love, um, I love opening day. I think it should be a national holiday, uh, even though my Cardinals got – the break speed off of them by uh, a red hot Christian Yellick and the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Bryce Harper. A national hol- holiday, you mean you can get off work and get drunk during the day? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Um, Bryce Harper playing out for that uh, 400 or what well, shit was it? $330 million contract. Uh, he started off, Phillies are 3 0. I mean, he's been, he's, he's had a nice. Little season they uh they start the week against his former team the Washington Nationals tonight. Um, I know you don't really give a shit about baseball, but anything you're looking I, forward to? No, I mean I, I am looking forward to see how some of these players that got this these big money contracts how they perform. I mean you had what at least well, yeah three players get over three hundred million dollars mm-hmm. this off season, and then you had one dude they got a hundred million dollar extension. So the if not even just like I'm not into baseball. But I will be keeping track of these players' teams because I really want to know, is it worth it getting these players? Like, how much does one player impact your team in baseball? So, the Phillies I'm paying attention to. Uh, what, Anaheim, An- Angels, Anaheim, Anaheim Angels, I'm really paying attention to them. And they haven't What's, been good since Mike Trout's been on the team. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting because, I mean, it just, at some point it seems like, is it worth it to play pay a player to stay there if it doesn't equate to wins? Didn't the money ball thing work for the Oakland A's? Uh, well, depends on what your definition of worked is, but yes, they were a successful franchise for a few years, although they never were they won profitable. Shit. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you can run it like Donald Sterling and still be a good. <laughs> you just run your company for profit. Um, you know, I'm not sure if they're profitable. Although I know that the Cleveland Indians are trying a new version of that with a, a, a notoriously cheap owner who's actually related to James Dolan. Uh, oddly enough. Um, but he has said that he will, I mean, this, you're talking about a team who was in the world series two years ago that he refused to pay for, like he will not pay talent or to keep them. So it depends. There's different levels of money ball. It's kind of shown that you're probably not going to win with it. Although, you know, you could argue that the, the Kansas city Royals did a couple of years ago or that, um, 
Houston, the Houston Astros have done it, but that's not really money ball. That's just kind of the bottom out approach that the uh, Philadelphia 76ers employed in, in, in Houston's case. So, um, but yeah, man, salute, I, I, salute Hinky. Yeah. Still don't get enough respect, man. I would fire Mike Wallace. Shit. I'd have fired Mike Wallace 10 years ago, but uh, <clears throat> I'd fire him or Chris Wallace. My bad. Uh, I would <laughs> fire him as a GM for the Grizz. I would happily employ Sam Hinky. What about Ernie Grunsfield uh, for the Washington Wizards? They let him go today. Overdue. <laughs> uh, long overdue. How do these cats? I mean, how do these cats get to keep their? I mean, he was there since two thousand three, I think. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, man. NBA is all about relationships, man. It's kind of like in the NFL how these head coaches continue to get recycled and do half-ass jobs and be five and six wins but keep getting these coaching jobs over and over again. I mean, it's just a boys' club. You keep hiring the same people over and over again or you're just too lazy to let them go because there's no way the Wizards, that Ernie dude, should have even been there. He's He's been terrible. I mean, he had a good run with Antoine Jameson and Agent Zero and Deshaun Stevenson, but ever since then, they've been ass. I mean, you talk about a guy who gave – Gilbert Arenas, over $100 million right after microfracture knee surgery. You're talking about it. Yeah, that was crazy. It was crazy. At the time, it was crazy. It was like... Shit, but he, you know what? There's always an Orlando Magics out there. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you, you know, after that, you know, given a $64 million extension for Jan Mahimi, uh, drafting Jan Vesely, like, I mean, just... Ooh, all those good moves that were under the radar. Mm. I mean, <laughs> and then on his way out, traded Trevor Ariza for Kelly, or traded uh, uh, Kelly Oubre for Trevor Ariza, who, you know, looks like it was the best thing to happen to him. Uh, now, now Kelly uh, Oubre looks like a real NBA player. How does that work? I mean, so, yeah, this is long, 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 long overdue. Oh, so. yeah, and you also traded uh, the backup, which you which Kelly Oubre could have started for if you would have just traded Otto Porter. Then you could have seen this from Kelly Oubre. But, nah, you trade Kelly Oubre first and then give up Otto Porter. I'm so, pretty, now you don't even have a small forward. I'm pretty sure they gave Andre Blatch $100 million at one point. I don't oh, know. Yeah, they, def, they definitely gave Blatch like 60 to $80 million. So, this cat should have been gone a long, long time ago. But, you know, so many bad GMs in the NBA. Um, you know, hopefully people start to open their damn eyeballs up. Yeah, but it, it is kind of crazy, though, that uh, the amount of bad contracts that they thought that KD was going to come. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shows you how stupid they were. <laughs> um, all right, man, that's what I got. Anything before we get out of here? Nope. That's it. That's all. That's it. That's all. Nice, clean show. Uh, you know, we'll be here next week checking up on your – do you have a, uh, a, a, a Final Four um, prediction? I'm going Texas Tech over Michigan State, uh, Virginia over Auburn, Texas Tech, Virginia, in the worst finals in NCAA, at least in the last 20 years. Texas Tech with the upset. Ooh. Culver goes number two pick after Zion. Ooh, spicy. spicy. Spicy, man. Putting it on the line here, man. I'm not with the safe bets. What you going? Uh, I can't get that spicy, so <laughs> I'm going to go. I will say Virginia. Um, I think Michigan State will figure out. I, I just think Tom Izzo is too good of a coach. Uh, and then I will go Michigan State over uh, Virginia to win it all. So it feels like a Tom safe, Izzo year. Safe pick. Yeah, it feels like a Tom Izzo year, so I'm going to go with it. So we'll see. 
All right, make sure you check us out on Instagram at Two Smart Dummies. That's the number Two Smart Dummies. You can also check our network page. It's got new content coming, which is at Two Smart Network. And we also have a Facebook, Two Smart Dummies group on Facebook. That's it. That's all. We'll holler. Peace. Peace.